I'm excited to be with you uh, this morning. I, I will um, pre-warn you, I'm very jet-lagged. Um, Alyssa and Matt from our church uh, got married in Hawaii on Monday, so congratulations to them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, this, is, this is like pastoral experience, okay? So I've never done a wedding. If you ever have a wedding coordinator, every wedding I've ever done, the wedding coordinator likes to argue with me. And so when we got there, they had found this like package deal just in case something happened to me. They had, they had this like um, backup pastor, I guess we'll call it. Um, and so they had this backup person who was going to do photographs and who was going to do the wedding for them um, in case something happened to me. And they had just been corresponding through emails and stuff. And so anyway, she showed up and she was from the Ukraine. So she had a very thick accent. It reminded me a lot of Rocky Four. And, um, and so anyway, um, she came up to me and she goes, hello, I am here to do the ceremony. You will say a couple words, and then I will take over. And, um, and I was mic'd up like this. We were already live on YouTube because it was just Matt and Alyssa, Kate and I. And so I was already mic'd up, and we were live broadcasting to all of you and their family and stuff. And so I had to take my mic off and put it behind my back. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not how this is going to go. Um, and so anyway, uh, but they had a terrific wedding. It was beautiful. It was great. And it was awesome. And so I got in at 6 a.m. yesterday and uh, had been awake for 24 hours, but I'm okay. Uh, thank goodness that we have a, a, a wonderful cafe that is here to uh, caffeinate us all. But anyway, uh, I, I want to start with a question this morning. And the question is, I think the pads are still on, just so you guys know. That or there's some Holy Spirit ambiance coming through the speakers behind me, which is fine too. Also, I'm jet lagged, so it could be in my head. Anyway, uh, but the question is, what has worry ever gotten you? Just think about it for a minute. You don't need to answer it out loud, but, but what has worry ever gotten you? Now, to follow up on that, let me ask you some clarifying questions, okay? Let's think about this. Has worry added time to your day? You know, did you ever have a day where you worried and at the end of the day you're like, oh my goodness, my day just seemed to go by so slow because I, I worried so much today. Or, you know, my day just went by so fast because I had all this time to worry. It was such a good day. Well, let me ask you another question. Has worry attracted people to you? You know, I mean, let's even just say, is, is worry attractive at all? You know, like did, whenever you, you got to be a young adult and got to be in the world, did your mama ever say to you, honey, I just want you to find a good, beautiful girl who worries, you know? Or, or did they ever say to you, you go out there and you find a man who's attractive and who worries himself to death. That is who I want you to marry. That is who I want you to spend the rest of your life with. Or let me ask you another question. Have you ever profited from worry? Like you ever made money or saved money from worry? Uh, th there was um, a woman in my subdivision about a month ago, I, during the pandemic, you know, when people were afraid to death that we were gonna run out of things, apparently she had bought a lot of things and so she was selling them on Facebook Marketplace because the things that she bought were expiring because she had bought so much. She had bought so much soap, so much deodorant, so much detergent, so many rolls of toilet paper, and things were starting to go bad or attract insects and stuff, and so she was trying to sell it, but I, I looked at the picture of all she was selling, and I was like, my goodness, how worried was this woman? Because apparently this is why there was no toilet paper at Target during the pandemic, because she had it all in her house. 
But have you ever saved money from worry? Have you ever profited from worry? Or let me ask you a really, really good question. Has worry ever added value to what you value most? You think about that. You take all that in, and a lot of us are quiet because we know the answers to this question, right? What has worry ever gotten us? Nothing. It's never gotten us anywhere that we wanted to be. So the question that we are left with is then why do we worry? And that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. And two weeks ago, we, we started this series called Anxious About Nothing, and we're going to take this throughout the, the month of May, and then I want to give you a little preview, too. At the end of this month, Memorial Day weekend, we're actually going to have my friend, he's spoken here before, Kyle McLean. Um, he, he's been a friend of mine for over 20 years, but he's also uh, was my first counselor, and he's, uh, he's a counselor. He's spoken here before. He's actually going to be here to answer your questions. So throughout this series, if there's ever a question that I that you have or something you disagree with me about or something you're like, you know, I think we need a professional to answer this one because I've heard the messages, but I still have these questions. Kyle's actually going to be up here and I'm just going to give him all of your questions and he's going to go through and answer these and talk about the psychological side of anxiety and what the body does and everything. So um, look forward to that. But when we started this series, we started it by talking about how I wanted to change your perspective because I'm a person who deals with anxiety. I mean, I admitted that to you from the very, very beginning. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, okay? I'm preaching to myself first because I'm a person who, who battles with anxiety all the time. I, I am the pessimistic person. I am the person who sees the glasses always half empty, not half full. And we talked about how a lot of times when we have this anxiety, when we worry, we're like, take it away. How can I turn this off? I want to get rid of this. Like, that's our prayer to God. God, get this out of me. Turn this off. I've always viewed this as something that's like broken in me, that needed to be healed, needed to be fixed. But we talked about how many psychologists have talked about this this thing that's in us. It's not always a bad thing, okay? It's actually a tool. It's actually a superpower. And, And the best way to put this is stress. Stress isn't a bad thing, okay? Stress is a good thing. For those of you who stress, we have what doctors call an evolutionary advantage, okay? Which I told you, you can start using that. When when your spouse is like, what are you doing? Why are you stressed? I'm just practicing my evolutionary advantage that I have over you, okay? I've evolved past you, honey. That's all this is, okay? I have a power that you don't have. Just let me handle this. But stress, stress isn't a bad thing. Those of us who are like this, when, when when we're channeling this in the right way, it's actually a superpower, I mean, we are organized, we are planners, we actually do care about what people think, and we take that into account. And so that that is not a bad thing. This is actually a superpower. When channeled in the right way, this is actually a way that we can actually serve others, that we can actually love others, that we can actually fulfill the command to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's actually kind of a good thing. So it's not something we just want to turn off or get rid of or, or just, you know, uh, dull with, with, you know, certain things. But when does it turn bad? And this is a question that my wife had. Whenever we jumped on the plane, we had a lot of time to talk. Um, we, this is something she said. She goes, yeah, I get what you were saying in your sermon. But so like, when would you say this turns into uh, the, the bad thing? 
you know, the thing that's unhealthy. Because we talk about how the pendulum swings, right? When it swings on one side, it's a superpower. It's good for everybody. It's beneficial for everybody. When it swings to the other side, that's when it turns into anxiety. That's when it turns into worry. That's when it becomes unhealthy for us, for our relationships, for other people. And I thought that was a really good question. And so while I was on the plane, I had my journal with me, and I started, so I started to write a little bit. And, and, and this, is, this is a word that's not actually a word, okay? But we're gonna make it a word, all right? So for those of you who like to grammar check me, I know this isn't a word, but this is the language that we're gonna use. When does it turn into a bad thing? Stress and stressing about something is not a bad thing. That actually helps us find solutions, plan, organize, and all that stuff. When does it turn into a bad thing? And the best way I could put it is this. When we are catastrophizing failure, okay? Like, right, good word, right? Catastrophizing failure. Not a real word. Catastrophe is a word. Catastrophizing, not a word. I just made it a word, okay? Catastrophizing failure. And what that means is, oh my goodness, if X happens, dum-dum-dum, right? That's what it is. Catastrophizing failure is when we, we can foresee the future and we start to stress about it, but then we go, oh no, but if X happens, it's ruined. If X happens, it's over. If X happens, it's the end of the world. You know what I'm talking about? We catastrophize things. And we, get, we start to catastrophize things. We catastrophize if this thing goes wrong, if this failure it actually becomes a reality. Oh no, it's ruined, it's over. I'll give you an example. If, if I asked you to, you know, go get me three lemons, I was cooking for Thanksgiving, and I said, I need three lemons, and you came back, and you had one lemon, and I was like, Kate, what's your problem? I told you to go to the store, and I needed three lemons, and she's like, oh, sorry, I only grabbed one, and I was like, oh, my goodness, now the dessert called for three lemons, Kate, and so now I don't have three lemons. And oh my goodness, if I don't have three lemons, then this dessert is ruined. And if this dessert is ruined, then Thanksgiving is ruined. And if Thanksgiving is ruined, then our time together with our family is ruined. And I'm just, I, I'm just trying to ask you, why don't you love me? <laughs> right? That's where it goes. You see where it happens? I catastrophize that now that I only have one lemon, this is going to go wrong, and this is ruined, and this is going to be dead, and, and, and now I just, I just don't know why we're even together, you know? And this is how people get divorced over silly things, because we've catastrophized failure. And so my question for you is, when you fear a catastrophe, where do you turn? Because those of us who have this superpower this evolutionary advantage, it can turn bad very quickly where we catastrophize failure. And when we catastrophize failure, where do we turn? And there's only two answers. There's only two available options for us. And that is, I either worry or I have faith. I either worry or I have faith. These are my two options. Now, when I worry it's much, much more than stressing over something. It's catastrophizing failure. It's thinking of things that aren't even a reality yet. It's thinking that if, this hap if X happens, then Y will happen, then Z will happen, and then it's over, it's kaput, it's ruined. And so what do we do? Where, what is your default? What is your first thing that you turn to? 
And for a lot of us who deal with this, or you know, if you're married to somebody like this, or you have family, or you're friends with somebody like this, they turn to worry. Worry is their default. And when you and I worry, when I worry, my worry is an attempt to control an impending or current catastrophe, right? That's what I'm trying to do. My worry is an attempt to control an impending or current catastrophe. I have to stop this from happening. I need to get a hold of this. It can't go there. I know if X happens, then Y happens, and then Z will happen. And so I, I, I have to get a hold of this. And this is where it turns into an unhealthy situation. I'll I, I give you an example. If I, if, if I felt something weird on my body, I don't know about you. Again, I'm a person of anxiety. I'm constantly, I was gonna say touching my body, and that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> let me back up. I'm check, I check myself, okay? That's a more appropriate thing to say as a pastor. Um, it's all on live stream anyway, so whatever, forget it. Uh, but, you know, if I find something on my body and I go, oh, that, that, that feels weird. That wasn't there before, you know? What is that, right? Stress, the, the stress is the healthy side. I should go, oh, I should go get that checked out because I, that wasn't there before and that feels different and stuff, right? And a lot of people, you don't even go check those things, right? You don't see a doctor till you're half dead and that's why you, we have an evolutionary advantage over you. But uh, since I have an evolutionary advantage, I'm like, oh, that's weird. I should go get it checked out. And so I go to the doctor and I go, hey, doc, this, is, this is, feels weird. This wasn't there before. It's like a knot or something. And they go, okay, well, let's check it out. And so they touch it, they feel it, they run some tests, they do some blood work. And then the doctor comes back and says, you're good. Uh, we don't know what that is. You're just a weirdo, and you have a weird body, and uh, yeah, it's fine. And so then let's say I go home, and I'm like, uh, you know, my, my wife Kate's like, you know, hey, how'd it go with the doctor? And what if my response is, oh, that stupid doctor, he doesn't know what he's talking about, right? They, well, did they run tests? Yeah. Did they check it out? Yeah. Did they do blood work? Yeah. Well, then if they say it's fine, why isn't it fine? Because I know better than them. And so what do I do? My worry, I start to catastrophize that this is something else. And then I get on my phone and I do my little, you know, toilet seat research project. You know what I'm talking about when you're sitting on the toilet seat and you're on WebMD and you're looking at stuff, right? And so then my worry is starting to take me into the unhealthy side of things where I'm catastrophizing and I am trying to find a way to control what happens next, And that's the key word. The key word in that statement is that. Control. By my power, by my wisdom, by my research, by my will, by my strength, by my worry, I will take control of this. I will get this under control. I will make sure that what happens next is what I want to actually happen. The thing that we're trying to do when we worry, by my power, by the power of my worry, this catastrophe will be averted, right? That's what we're doing. Now, here's the problem. This comes into direct conflict with what we talked about the very first week of the series. Because the very first week of the series, we talked about how Paul opened up to, to uh, his church in Corinth, and he's, he had some kind of physical ailment going on. We don't know exactly what it is, but he talks about how it was constantly irritating, how it hurt like hell, his words, not mine, and he talked about how it was just beating him up, beating him up, and he kept praying God. He, three times in his life, he just kind of gave up, and he said, God, please, take this from me. Take this away, and he said, God said no. 
He said, I said, God, take this away from me. This is so painful. This is so irritating. This hurts so badly. Please take it away from me. And he said, but God's answer was this. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he went on to say this. He said, so I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Means he's, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to pretend it's not there. I'm going to face it. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to be truthful about it. And then he says, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And the bottom line for week one of this series was this. Embracing your inability is a prerequisite to experiencing Christ's ability. Now, do you see how this comes into direct conflict with what we just talked about? Because we said embracing your inability is a prerequisite to experiencing Christ's ability. You have to admit and embrace that you are unable. But when we worry, what do we do? We are focusing and leaning on our ability. By my power, this catastrophe will not happen. And there's the tension, and there's the thing, is that having faith is embracing your inability so that you can experience Christ's ability. But worry, worry is when I take the reins and I lean and I embrace my ability, and by my worry, by my power, by my strength, by my wisdom, by my figuring this out, I will stop this catastrophe from happening. So, question is, with these two things in tension with one another, what will we choose? And that's what we're going to dive into today. And we're going to look at a, a sermon of Jesus's. And it wasn't preached just one time. We actually believe that it was preached more than once. But you know it, famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you look through the Gospel of Matthew the, uh, in, in your New Testament, you see there's this very, very long, through Matthew uh, chapter 5 through almost 7, there's this very long sermon of Jesus's. This is most famous because it just addresses so much. And it's basically just the foundation of the, the kingdom of God and, and, and the new covenant that, that Jesus came to bring. And he addresses so much practically that it just never been talked about before, never been addressed before. And so he actually dives into what we worry about and our concerns. Because believe it or not, people even at that time, they, they had a lot to worry about. They had a lot to be afraid of. I mean, it was a scary time back then. And so Jesus dives into this and he talks about their worry and he talks about their fear. And this is what he says, and we're, we're going to have to talk about this over two weeks, so I wanted to make sure you come back next week as well for part two of this particular passage. But he dives into it, and he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Now, I know that you've probably not, never thought of your anxiety or your worry as a master, but, but what he's saying is, what's your default? Because you only have one default right? Your, your natural thing that you defer to. What is that? He says, no one can have two. You can't defer to two things at once. Everybody has a default. Everybody has something that they naturally defer to once, their go-to, their first response. Nobody can have two of them. And a lot of us, the truth is, is that a lot of us, we, we have two. Th we think we can have two things that we can defer to, two defaults, Right? I mean, I, I'm a person like this. When we're talking about faith and worry, 
I, I'm the type of person, I, me and my mom have these conversations all the time because my mom's like me, right? So my mom can identify with me. So I'll sometimes call my mom and say, hey, mom, uh, mom I'm really worried about this. You know, I went to the doctor. I had this thing checked out, but I'm just not sure, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, Michael, you, you need to have faith. You need to have faith. And for all of us in the room who are faithful people who follow Jesus, this, is, this, this triggers us, right? Because people say, you know, you need to have faith. And we know it's so much more than just having faith. And it almost seems like the person is telling us we don't have any faith at all. And my, my response to my mom all the time when we're having these conversations on the phone is I say, Mom, I have faith, I just. I do have faith, Mom. Mom, I have faith. I just. And here's the thing. When I say that, and when you say that, when, when I... When I just, I'm justifying, <laughs> right? When I just, I'm justifying my actions, my response. I'm justifying my worry because I want to think that I can have both. Well, Mom, I do have faith. I just, I just need to find my own answers. I just need to figure this out. I just need to come up with a solution. I just need to know more. I just need a second opinion. I just, I just, I just, I just. And what I do is I'm starting to justify my worry. And Jesus says, this never works. (laughs) You can't have two masters. You can't have two defaults. You can't have two things that you defer to. One is going to win. One is always going to come first. One you are going to trust more. You are going to lean on more. And so many times, us people of worry, we we, we say, I I do have faith. I just, I'm just trying. I just need to. And we're justifying. We're justifying what we do next. And I, you know, many of you who are, again, related to or married to or are friends with somebody who deals with anxiety, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly when it turns from stressing to anxiety, from stressing to, to worry being our master, to worry being our thing that we defer to. Because it even, it starts to show physically, Right? I mean, whenever I, I start to justify and I start to go down this, this, this uh, trail of anxiety and worry, what, what it kind of turns into, what it looks like, I guess I could, you could say some symptoms of worry, is um, I'm impatient. And again, those of you who are, don't deal with anxiety but you're married to somebody, you can say amen. I, I'll protect you. You're safe, okay? Um, just... Watch out for elbows here in a minute. But, but when I'm going down this trail, I'm, I'm impatient, I'm, I'm easily irritable. I, I kind of seem like I'm in a panic, don't I? Like, oh my goodness, I gotta figure this out. Oh my goodness, blah, 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 right? I, I, I'm cynical and I'm, I'm pessimistic. Like if you say things like, I'm sure it'll be fine. We say things like, you don't know that, you know? If they says, well, you just need to trust the doctor. You say, oh, that doctor doesn't know what he's talking about, Right? I mean, these, these are the things that I, I start to show. And so Jesus goes, here's the thing. You, you cannot have two masters. It doesn't work like that. One's always going to win over the other. And that's what he says next. Jesus, Jesus says this next. He goes, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, this... Every, every time I hear this, it almost sounds a little Dr. Susie. It's kind of hard. So let me just 
take some liberties and plug some words in to make this really, really make sense for you for context sake. Let's change this. Either you will hate God and love to worry or you will be devoted to God and despise worry. Don't get that tattooed on your back, right? (laughs) Not anybody's life verse, is it? Right, but you plug those words in there and it makes a lot of sense. And again, all the people who are anxious ridden, all the people who are like me, who, who worry, you, you're totally triggered by that because you're like, I don't hate God and I don't love to worry. But here's the thing. If you put yourself in God's shoes, God would say, well, that sure seems to be what it's like. That's what it's like for me. That's my experience with you because we're in a relationship and I'm here for you. And it seems to be that every time you deal with something stressful, you begin to catastrophize this failure. And then your next reaction is that you don't turn to me, you turn to worry. And here's the thing. You either love me or you don't. And it seems to me that so many times that you, you don't want me involved in this, that I'm your last resort, that I'm your secondary thing, that I'm your thing you throw up a prayer to, but in the meantime... Worry is your God, and worry is your weapon of choice, and worry is your tool that you will use, and that by your power, not by mine, you will figure this out. And so Jesus says, here's the thing. You either hate God and love to worry, or you will be devoted to God, and you will despise worry. Jesus says next, he he says, you cannot serve both God and money which many of us have heard this verse before. But, but if we wanted to break down the Greek of this verse, when he says you cannot serve, he means you cannot give loyalty to. You cannot give loyalty to, you cannot defer to, you cannot bow down to both God and money. And that Greek word for money, he didn't actually use word money. That Greek word there that when Jesus was talking about, he says you cannot, it would break down to your stuff or your things that you're concerned about. And so Jesus, if we broke down the Greek translation of this, he says, you cannot be loyal to, you cannot defer to, you cannot bow down to both God and your stuff that you are worried about having. Your stuff that you are catastrophizing about. You cannot serve both of them. One of them is going to win. And can we just be honest with ourselves? How many times when we turn to worry, does worry win the day? How many times when we turn to worry, Can we not turn it off? Do we have a hard time getting off of our phone and stop looking at articles and stop looking for answers and stop thinking about it? How many times does it keep us up at night because we can't turn it off, right? Because it wins. Because we are serving it. We are giving into it. We are putting our faith in worry, not our faith in God. And it wins the day. And we've never, ever benefited from it. We have never been more attractive to our spouse or to other people because of our worry. We have never profited from it. We have not had a better day. We have not added value to our life. And it has won. And it has actually stolen so many things from us. It's stolen our joy. It's stolen our money. It's stolen our time. It's stolen parts of our relationship that we can't get back. And Jesus says, you can't serve both. It's ridiculous to think that you can serve both God and the stuff that you're worried about. 
He says, so therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> Easier said than done, Jesus, right? That's what I would say. That's what you would say. But Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Now, again, you and I think about, well, that's not what I'm worried about at all, right? I'm worried about much more serious things. That's what Jesus doesn't get. But you have to put it in context. See, back then, this is what they were worried about. Because this stuff was life or death. Because they couldn't just go find a drink. They didn't ever always have clothes, and they didn't have doctors, and so they were constantly worried about getting sick, being protected from the elements. This is stuff that they were all, all, always worried about. But they, they were worried about these things, but you and I were worried about much different things. And Jesus says, is not life more than food and body more than clothes? And again, we think we can't understand this because you know, clothes and stuff and food, that's not what we're worried about. So, so let me put it again. Let me remix it a little bit and put it into terms you would understand. What if Jesus said this? Isn't it true that your life is more than what you worry about? Think about that for a minute. Isn't it true that your life is more than what you worry about? See, because once again, those of us who catastrophize stuff, we catastrophize things, and we think if X happens, it's over. This is ruined. I mean, this is going to mess up so much stuff. I mean, we catastrophize it like it is going to be the end of the world. And Jesus says, but is it? Isn't your life more than what you worry about? Isn't it true that if this catastrophe happens, that it'll be okay? I, I told you a couple years ago in 2019, I, I went and saw a, a counselor for the first time, right? Started seeing a counselor. And, and my counselor started doing this thing with me. It was really irritating. I didn't really like it. Um, and now it's a thing I have to kind of do internally with myself. But he asked me, you know, what are you worried about? What, what, what are you anxious about? And so I started to tell him all of these, you know, different things that I was worried about. And I can't remember specifically what I was worried about at the time, isn't it funny how that always happens? Uh, so I'll, I'll make something up, all right? This is not a real thing, okay? But what, but what if I was sitting there with him, and he said, you know, well, what are you worried about? And I said, well, Ashley, Pastor Ashley, she, she did something really, really wrong, you know? And as her boss, I need to address it with her. And so I need to sit down with Ashley, and I need to tell her, you know, this is, uh, this is what you did wrong, and this is, this is inappropriate, you know, you need to fix this and stuff. And, and I'm really worried about that. And, and, and my counselor would say, okay, so what do you think is going to happen? And I, and I would say, you know, again, I'm catastrophizing. What, what if I said to him, well, my fear is that I'm going to tell this to Ashley, and Ashley's going to go, I don't need this. And she's going to walk out, you know, and she's going to quit, and she's going to say, I don't need this, walk out. And here's the thing, counselor, man, everybody loves Ashley more than me, okay? And so... If Ashley walks out, there are probably going to be people who go with her, you know? And then what if Ashley opens up another church down the street called Anchor Dope or something, you know what I mean? And so Ashley starts preaching at Anchor Dope, and, you know, all these people follow her over there, and I'm over here. And, and he started to do this thing with me. He'd say, okay, so let's say the worst thing that could happen happens. Then what? Okay, well, then, you know, what if... Anchored Hope goes down, and Anchored Dope is great. You know, what if it's dope? And, uh, and, you know, and then I can't be a pastor anymore. Okay, well, let's say that the worst thing that could happen happens. Then what? 
well, I, I guess I would get like another job or be a pastor somewhere else, you know? Okay, so what's the worst thing about that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know, uh, you know, then what if, you know, we just don't make as much money as we used to and, you know, I, I'm a pastor, I don't have any skills, so I could work at Starbucks or Target, that's the only other two loves in my life, and so, you know, not making much money, and he's like, okay, well then what? Well, I'd probably have to change, like, my style of living and, you know, stuff. Okay, so, so then what? Oh, I couldn't buy new Jordans every six months? I don't know, uh, you know, okay, so then, and so that's all we kept doing. All right, so let's say the worst thing that could happen happens, then what, then what, then what, then what, then what? And it was really irritating because I'd be like, I don't know, I guess you'd figure it out, you know, okay, so, but I don't like that. Okay, I think we're getting down to the problem here. And so he would do this with me and do this with me. And here's the thing, that's what Jesus is saying. Isn't it true that your life is more than what you worry about. See, you catastrophize it. You catastrophize it and go, you know, hey, but the worst thing that could happen could happen. And my counselor's sitting there, and he's not even a Christian counselor. And he's going, so what? And then what would happen? I, I don't know. And man, I tell you what. So this is not a Christian counselor, right? Not a Christian counselor at all. But I mean, I'm fully honest with him. I, t- I tell him I'm a pastor, you know, and, and he throws this in my face. He goes, you're a pastor, right? You're a Christian? Yeah. So don't you guys believe that even if the worst thing that could happen, death, if that happens, that you'll be resurrected and you'll live on in eternity? Yeah. So you're telling me that even if the worst thing that could possibly happen, death, happens, that because of your faith, you'll be okay and you'll be resurrected? Shut up. Why am I paying you $100 an hour to you to just throw my religion back in my face, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, so, geez, isn't, isn't it going to be okay? Isn't your life more than what you're worried about? And he said, Michael, he said, here's the thing. Even if that did happen, and again, that was a made-up situation, but let's talk about this conversation with Ashley. He, he would say, let's say this conversation does go wrong and you lose a staff member over it or you lose people at your church or whatever over it and all, all of these things happen. Do you realize that your catastrophizing of this, your, your uh, worry and your obsession with having this conversation, your anxiety about having this conversation, it is taking value away from these other great parts of your life? I mean, you have this wonderful wife at home. You have two beautiful kids. You have this going for you and this going for you and this going for you. Do you realize that your anxiety and your catastrophizing of this is stealing your joy in all these other areas of your life? Do you really want to let this one thing, this one conversation that will work out that might be painful, that might be tough, but that will work out. Do you really want to allow that to suck the value, joy, and love away from you in all these other areas of your life? No. Okay, then. Then stop putting your faith in worry. Now, again, I know it's easier said than done, but it makes so much sense, doesn't it? And so Jesus, Jesus goes on, and he goes, I know you need some proof because that's how you are. So he goes, says, I'll give you some proof. Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look at look at the birds of the air. They're not running around catastrophizing about whether they're going to find worms tomorrow, right? They're not flying around going, "Oh my goodness, we're not going to find worms tomorrow," right? They're not catastrophizing, and they're okay. And here's the thing: they do not have the ability to stress. They do not have the ability to plan. They don't have the ability to reap or sow, but you do. God gave you this evolutionary advantage over everything, over over animals, over anything else he made. He gave you this evolutionary advantage so you can reap and you can sow and you can prepare and you can stress over things. My goodness, look how much better prepared you are and look how taken care of they are and they mean very little to God. And he says, then next, Jesus goes, are you not much more valuable than them? So don't you believe, don't you have faith that what you're stressing about and then what you're worried about, that God will see you through, that God will help you through it, and that if the worst thing that does possibly happen does happen, that God will take care of you and God will get you through it and it will be painful and it will be tough And maybe he won't take it away just like that. But that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you believe that? Can you put your faith in that? See, the thing is, is in the midst of your inability, there is a God who is able. Now, I know where you're going to go because I've gone here, and I'll be completely honest with you. I totally get it because I can say that, and that sounds really, really cool. Make for a great Instagram post. In the midst of your inability, there is a God who is able. And your response to that would be, yeah, but I've seen bad things happen to faithful people. Some of you got a story that proves that. Yeah, I know God is able, but it doesn't change the fact that bad things happen happen. And I understand that. I know that's sometimes what makes you default or defer to worry. But again, I'll take you back to the question. What has worry ever gotten you? I know bad things happen to faithful people. And we're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. Because it boils down to something that you probably have never thought of, but I have figured out in my own life it's not the best answer, but it's the truth. We're gonna talk about that because many of us, that's our concern, but bad things happen. I can pray and I can pray and I can have faith and I can have faith. Doesn't mean something bad's not gonna happen to my kid. Doesn't mean something bad's not gonna happen to me. Doesn't mean something bad's not gonna happen to my parents or my friends or at my job. I get it. And I get that that's what makes you question leaning on God. But the only other option is worry. And what has worry ever gotten you nothing so the thing is the conclusion that I hope you would come to is this worry never got me where I wanted my faith hasn't always got me what I wanted but it's always gotten me what I needed so What do you choose? You cannot serve two masters. One will always win. 
You will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one or you will despise the other. You cannot say, I have faith, I just. Doesn't work. You're justifying. You have to choose where you will put your faith. But as many stories as we could go around the room and tell that I had faith or I prayed and something bad happened to me or something bad happened to my kid or something bad happened to my family or things didn't work out. We could also go around the room and say, I had faith and I haven't always gotten what I wanted, but I've always gotten what I needed. There was a time I went something through something really difficult, something that wasn't planned, something I didn't see coming something that I was stressed about and then anxious about, and it came to the conclusion of it, came to some resolve around it. And I remember I had one last meeting to kind of finalize, wrap this thing up, and be free of all of the drama. And I got done with that meeting, and I walked out with what I needed, not what I wanted, but with what I needed. And I remember I got in my car, and I, and I turned the car on, and it was just the radio that was on, but it immediately went to the very beginning of that song. Don't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need. And I just started bawling. Because <laughs> it had been a hard, hard year. It had been what had driven me to need to go to counseling because it is what driven me to have my first panic attack. And it finally was over and I had a realization. I know this didn't go how I wanted and there was nothing by my strength that was getting anything done. But God got me what I needed. And I need to, in the future, put my faith in him and stop putting my faith and worry, because worry never got me what I actually wanted or what I needed. And that's my prayer for you, that you would not justify putting your faith in worry, because it's not getting you anywhere you wanna be, but that you would learn through small tests to prepare yourself for the bigger tests in life that we're all gonna go through, that you would begin to prepare your heart and your mind and yourself to put your faith in God, to rest in his ability and to give up and embrace your inability. And my promise to you is that you won't always get what you want, but you'll get what you need because God does it Time and time and time again. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, as we come to you, some of us right now, even in the middle of this situation, in the middle of this circumstance, right now, there are things we're worried about. Relationship stuff, financial stuff, kids stuff, family stuff, health stuff. God, we, we're worried right now. And some of us even right now, by our own strength, we're trying to figure it out. 
We've gone way past stressing and problem solving, and we are in a whole nother realm, and it is even changing us. It's changing our behavior. It's changing our character. It's, it's impacting our relationships. Our attitude has been affected. And God, some of us, we've just come to accept this is just how I am. I just have these seasons. I just have these times. This is who I am. But God, it is not who you want us to be. It is not something you want us to accept. It's not something that you want us to rest in. And it never has given us peace. And it's something we've never been able to have peace about because it's never gotten us where we wanted to be. It's never added value to our life. And so God, you've given us a new option today, a second option. And we cannot serve both things. So God, will you help us Will you speak to us? When we come to that moment where we have to choose, will you whisper into our hearts that you are here, that you are for us, that you are not against us, that in the midst of in, in our inability, you are a God who is able. Not a genie in a bottle who gives us everything we want, but you are a loving Father who gives us what we need. God, we've seen you do it before, and we have to believe, we have to have faith this morning that you We'll do it again. So will you do that for us, Father? We love you, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning as we sing one last song just in worship? And I I want you to...